Hey everyone, welcome to Behind the Tour, another episode, the podcast from American Christian Tours that goes behind the scenes of the most iconic sites, historic characters, and true stories in American history to discover how God has been at work since the very beginning. Our desire and purpose is to provide insight for today and hope for the future as we look at history from a biblical worldview. Well, hey guys, this is Aaron Cronk, and today I am joined by one of my favorite uh, tour guides and just one of my favorite uh, friends, period, Jay Prophet, who is a staff member at American Christian Tours of over 30 years and a veteran tour guide with Axe. And I'm also joined today uh, by a special guest, Dr. Marshall Foster, who's the president and founder of the World History Institute, uh, inspiring the young and the not so young to affect our culture through remembering what God has done. Well, hey, Jay. Hey, Aaron. It's so good to see you, man. I've been really looking forward to joining you on this podcast, Um, not only to be with you, but wow, I'm excited to be here with Marshall. And uh, I know you'll introduce Marshall in just a moment, but um, I I met Marshall years ago. I think I was thinking the other day, it was the early 1990s that I first met Marshall Foster. And he was doing tours uh, through American Christian Tours with one of my other tour guide friends named Jeff. And they would go out and see the historical sites and Marshall would, would go out and speak. And I always was so impressed with him. And then he started to come to uh, our office and do staff training uh, for our tour guides. And so every year we'd all be really thrilled to have Marshall come join us for like a day or so. And he'd, he'd fill us up with all the knowledge that he has. So uh, I really don't want to take away much of his time because I really want to give him the bulk of the time here. But um, I know you guys look like you got your coffee already. I'm drinking kind of a light brew today. I got some dash of cream in there and a little uh, stevia. And then um, I see Marshall has his uh, mug from Museum of the Bible. Yes. So uh, we're ready to go. Before we do that, I want to do our segment that we call Colonial Colloquialisms. You said that really uh, well, Jay. Thank you, Aaron. I've been practicing for uh, weeks in the mirror. It's kind of not only a tongue twister, (laughs) but a lip twister. It is. It's a hard word. So anyway, I found some of these sayings that the pilgrims might have used, and I, I actually found them on the website of the Plymouth Plantation, which they now have renamed uh, Plymouth Patuxet. You know, back then, as you were a pilgrim maybe going down the streets of Plymouth, you would have maybe ran into some of your fellow settlers there. And, you know, we don't think of them maybe as colonial, but they were there to start the Plymouth colony. So they were colonists. So instead of them saying like, hi, how are you? The colonists might uh, say, good morrow, Aaron, or... Maybe they would see you coming down the street and they'd say, how do you fare, Marshall? Aye. That would, that would confuse me. I'm yes, sure. or a happier one, they might say, what cheer? And the one that sounds a little more like what I would think a pilgrim would sound like is they're like, how dost thou? Like asking, how do you do? So those are just a few little words from the, the pilgrims. So you can maybe try those out with your friends. Um, 
But I definitely want to like wrap up this little segment because I'm excited to hear from Marshall. So Aaron, why don't you go ahead and officially introduce our listeners to Dr. Foster. Yeah, awesome. Thank you so much, Jay, for uh, doing those, uh, the colonial or even pre-colonial colloquialism today. Uh, Well, I have the privilege um, of having uh, Dr. Marshall Foster on with us today. Uh, He'll be on our next episode as well, but he is the Director of Education for American Christian Tours. Uh, Dr. Marshall Foster has founded the World History Institute, which is a nonprofit educational foundation to teach the biblical and historical foundations of liberty, our freedom. So the World History Institute, uh, which was formerly known as the Mayflower Institute, uh, has become a major force in the movement to restore our nation and its Judeo-Christian heritage. Uh, The Institute has reached millions with America's untold heritage. Well, Marshall has authored three, uh, three books, his best-selling book, which is The American Covenant, The Untold Story, has become uh, quite an effective training tool and just a wonderful book uh, in Bible studies, classroom study groups nationwide. The American Covenant book and accompanying documentary have had a, a really deep and lasting impact on the grassroots movement to restore our nation. Well, Dr. Foster is trained, I would say, Marshall, probably tens of thousands of uh, people through live seminars and many people uh, in person uh, across the country. Uh, And he's also been a co-host of a weekly syndicated radio broadcast uh, titled The Story of Liberty, um, again, which has reached lots of people. Well, he and his wife, Trish, have two grown children and seven grandchildren. Am I right in that? Oh, yes. Okay, so seven grandchildren, and they currently reside in Southern California. Uh, well, Marshall, am I missing anything? Do you want to tell our listeners anything else about you? I know that I could probably talk for the next couple of days about you, no, but uh, it's not about me. Wanna... I'm just excited about our topic today. We get to talk about the pilgrims. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the Marshall, the uh, the doctrine of providence. Uh, God's providence really declares that that the world and our lives are not ruled by chance or by fate, but by God. And Marshall, why why is it important to remember what God has done in history? Well, it's so vitally important. Uh, We live in a cause and effect world. C.S. Lewis said that we need to have the clean sea breezes of the centuries clearing out our minds, because unfortunately, He who controls history, controls people's view of their lives, controls the future. And that's a a quote from Marxists like Karl Marx and and, uh, Orwell and others who have come through and have even given insights into communism and Marxism. What they've done is tried to rewrite American history, rewrite the history of the world in their own image, uh, doing away with facts. Who cares about the facts? We want to make it up so that God is eliminated so that providence is taken out and so that people don't understand that God is in control and God is going to bring about what he wants on this earth. And so it's so important that we understand his plan because it's not the plan of some internationalist or some politician that's going to determine the future. It's God. So we need to be on his wave of history because his wave wins. So the idea is you need to be in his wavelength. To be in his wavelength, you need to understand his history. What has God done in the past? What is he doing now? And in light of what he's done in the past and where he's headed, we're accountable for all the things that have been developed up to our time. Too much is given, much is required. And this really hits us 
home base in America because all of the great power of Christianity came down through Europe and through England and Scotland and came across the ocean, persecuted Christians in the 17th century and landed in, in New England and in the South. And they, they spent 150 years honing out the first biblically-based government and society since the time of the ancient Hebrews. And to see that as just a chance situation is to not only spit in the face of God, but to set yourself up for failure. Because if you don't know how something's built and you don't know the blueprint, how are you ever going to rebuild it? Well, there's a specific blueprint. There's been only one America in 6,000 years, as the famous Daniel Webster said, <clears throat> that history does not repeat itself often, and especially since there's only been one America and one constitution in 6,000 years, you better hold on to it. And so to hold on to it, we need to understand its roots, we need to understand its foundations, and, and how to keep it strong. That's why our history is so vitally important. Yeah, that's that's great, Marshall. Just really quickly, Marshall, how you know when I when I read a lot of the writings of the Puritans, the Pilgrims, uh, and our founding fathers, they use the word providence. Uh, how would you define providence? Providence is the uh, is is the creation, maintenance, control, and conclusion of all of history, controlled by a wonderful, loving Creator God, who has the liberation of the world and of mankind in His heart. So this is not some some uh, chance experience of some bad God who's up there like Zeus, ready to come down on us. This is the great loving God who sent his son to die on a cross for us. And so he is integrally involved in every aspect of human beings' uh, relationship to him and in every society and every culture. And so providence controls the, the affairs of men in a general and a specific way. But he, do, but he holds, it's an amazing paradox, because he holds us accountable for our actions, and rightly so, because we were created in his image with a will, and we were created with an ability to reason and think. And so he, he included us in the process of history. He included us. And isn't that exciting to be able to be involved in actually changing the world with God? And that's what God has done, is he's allowed us to be a part of what he's doing. So his providence works in tune with man's will to then bring about the future in a positive way. And that's that's where we see the future going. Wonderful. Well, Marshall, so let's let's move into, uh, again, foundations are important. Uh, God does have a plan. Every last little detail is in accordance with his plan. Well, when we look at the uh, the Pilgrims and the Puritans, and even the you know the foundation of America, why did the Pilgrims and the Puritans risk their very lives to come to a foreign land? Yeah. Well, for hundreds of years, even though there had been bright shining stars like Patrick of Ireland, who we just celebrated. By the way, I still have my kilt on in celebration of St. Patty's Day yesterday, and my friend Kirk Cameron is going on tonight live before three million people with his full kill, telling the story of Patrick tonight. If you want to go to the Campfire Revival with Kirk Cameron, it's on tonight. It's on every night for the next 45 nights. What happened was that uh, all of Europe had been in bondage and to varying degrees, but the tyrants ruled, the kings ruled. And if you did not believe in the king's religion, if you did not cow-cow to the king's politics or economics, you ended up being in chaos. What happened is that these people, especially the Pilgrim Fathers, uh, had stood for religious conscience reasons uh, against that, saying we must obey Christ and his church as the way it's structured and set up. 
And so they were not rebels, but they but they believed in religious liberty. And so they didn't experience it. They were kicked out of England. Twice they had to try to flee. And they finally went to Holland for 11 years, which was an excellent experience in many ways. But they were still near starvation because they couldn't get jobs because of the unions. And so they ended up seeing the, the tyrants coming again from Spain. And they realized that they had to get out of there. So they they got on a boat and took off for the wilderness with the idea that they could have religious liberty. They actually gave five reasons in William Bradford's history of why they came. And uh, and they came specifically so that they could have religious freedom so that others could follow them. And, uh, and also they came to propagate the gospel of Christ to their most parts of the world. So it's a unique situation. They came with no money, no power, no influence. All they had was a Geneva Bible. And, uh, and they created the greatest civilization the world's ever known. Marshall, what was the spiritual climate like and even the culture in England uh, again, to make a group of people seek the freedom that they believed God had in store for them. What was what was the climate like over there? Well, you had under Elizabeth, and then especially under James. James declared himself a divine right king. He had knowledge directly from God. In fact, the Holy Communion was to be done in his name, and he was the bread of Holy Communion. Uh, that's how crazy James was. This guy was a nutcase. And he would kill you on the spot. He would take out a sword. He would tell the people to kill this guy because he didn't agree with him. Uh, he, was a, he was a very bad man, James was. And uh, so Elizabeth was, too, in her own way. She did not allow any religious liberty, and she would burn people at the stake if they disagreed with their theology. So that's the kind of kings they had. That's the kind of government that they were under. But that's not unusual because at least 95% of the people that have ever lived in the history of mankind have lived under tyrants and have not had any religious liberty except for a brief time under the ancient Hebrews and a few times under the Dutch in a period of time of about 40 years and, a, and, the, and the Scotch, the vast majority of people lived under tyranny until that time. So here the pilgrims come, set up this colony, and their idea was Christian self-government where you don't just force people to do it, but that you live out your faith before them. And uh, they were the precursors. The Puritans came with a little more of a top-down attitude, but they too were soon converted to this new way, this congregational way of voting and electing representatives. And, and that was the beginning of a republic in America. And uh, the re- beginning of religious liberty, as the world has never known, we should never give that up. And unfortunately, we're on the verge of it today, if we're not careful. Yeah. Well, Marshall, um, some of the main characters, let's go into maybe a couple of specific personalities. One that I can think of is William Bradford. And he writes in his book of Plymouth Plantation, that was Bradford's history of, of the really the Plymouth settlement. He writes this, he says, but these things did not dismay them, though they did sometimes trouble them, for their desires were set on the ways of God and to enjoy his ordinances, but they rested on his providence and knew whom they had believed. I think, you know, when I read things like that, that's just so encouraging to my heart uh, of, of, you know, the context of when that was written. Uh, But maybe you could talk a little bit about William Bradford and uh, were there other like main characters in this story? Oh, yes. Uh, He was obviously one of them. And he was a boy who lost his family when he was young. His father and his mother end up being raised by his uncles. Uh, the Church of England wanted to take him away and do the parties in the summer. Uh, everybody basically would disappear into the forest to do rituals and uh, and uh, drink beer and get drunk. Instead, he joined this little church in a place called Scrooby, and there underground against the king's wishes, he was converted to Christ at 14. And by the time he was 18, he was off on an adventure being exiled out of his country 
and became one of the leaders of the Pilgrim Church when they went to Holland. Uh, by the time he was 30, that was the time they took off for the New World. Uh, he and his wife, Dorothy, took off, and they were with them on the, on the Mayflower, along with William Brewster. And the other great party that was involved with this was John Robinson, their pastor, who had been with them from the beginning in Scrooby, but was unable to go to Plymouth because he had to stay behind with most of the congregation. But he set the stage by giving them the principles of self and civil government. And then it was uh, Bradford, 30 year old, and then Brewster in his 50s, who took off on the Mayflower. And they're the, they became the two leaders of the colony. Bradford became the governor for 30 years, uh, starting in 1623. And uh, an amazing man of God, a man who just was solid as a rock. And uh, after his wife died, is the first woman to die in the New World. She fell off the boat the first day they landed and died drowned. She, he, is, another lady came over that they had known before. They had five children, and he had a great life. Went on to be his late sixties, and and uh, they started with nothing. And at the end, they had estates and lands, and and they were they were building and growing and having children. And I just found out at over seventy years old that in my background, one of the members of the Mayflower. Uh, was actually my great-great-grandfather, who ended up being the grandfather of, the, of some famous patriots during the American Revolution. So I actually, I got to join the Mayflower Society now. Um, and uh, and uh, uh, Richard Warren was his name, by the way. And Richard Warren, and, and Warren had, uh, had five girls. He died three years later, but his five girls came over and married everybody. So almost everybody was related to a Warren uh, in the early days. <laughs> So I got a lot of relatives out there, right? Anyway, I was adopted, so I didn't know all these things. Anyways, with great leadership, they all loved God, and that, that was the key thing. And they trusted God and through the first winter when half of them died. Brewster and Bradford were the rocks. And then their wives, unbelievable women, that they would go through what they went through and stand strong and raise their children in the midst of that. Many of the children, the women died the first winter laying on top of their children on the Mayflower as they were freezing to death, keeping their children warm. Uh, so the, most of the women died the first winter. So they had to almost start from scratch. But they just did, and they kept going. And within 20 years, they had become very successful. The Puritans followed 10 years later, following in their example and their footsteps. They didn't attack the Indians. They did not take away the Native Americans' land. They, they, they uh uh, they had a 50-year peace treaty that lasted with the Native Americans in the area, which was unheard of at the time. So it's an amazing story of grace, of, of mercy, of, of perseverance, and God being involved in the process from the beginning, which gives us a strategy for the future. It shows that a small group of people with no money, power, and influence can literally take a land that is a desolate wilderness and turn it into a paradise. It's not the power mongers from the top. It's going to be the character-filled believers from the bottom that are going to make the difference. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Marshall, we're gonna we're gonna talk about that in our next episode. Um, the a, a monument, uh, kind of a lesser well-known monument, but one of the bigger monuments uh, dedicated to those that have gone before us, especially those that have came over and made sacrifices. So many sacrifices uh, for not only their own individual freedoms, but uh, but future generations as well. Right. Well, Marshall, another couple of quick questions for you. Why do you think the Plymouth settlement succeeded? Um, and you've mentioned, you've touched on a couple of 
things uh, or reasons why I think they succeeded. But why do you think the, the settlement succeeded when you look at like a prior one, Jamestown, um, and even the, the last colony of Roanoke? Um, why did this one succeed? They brought women. Uh, number one reason that uh, men are barbarians without women. So basically, you can't go anywhere without your wife. That is the name of the game. Uh, that's the way that's the way life goes. That's the way God created it in the garden. And uh, it hasn't changed today. So uh, Jamestown came over as a bunch of men. There were no women. And so that made it difficult. Number two, a lot of them came over as adventurers. So they were coming over for different reasons. Now, there were some wonderful Christians that were in Jamestown and they did some good things. And they actually set up the first constitutional type of government in 1619. They set up the first college in 1619. They they turned away from communism and turned to free enterprise in about 1619, 1620, which saved them. But they've made a lot of mistakes by that time. They've been here 13 years and they lost nine out of 10 people that came. They, the vast majority of them ended up dying or starving. And so it was not a very good uh, thing going back to England saying, well, we're all dying and starving. Come join us. Whereas the pilgrims, although they had a hard first winter because everybody died of that the disease is coming off the ship. But after that, almost everybody lived a long and healthy life. And the difference was in Plymouth that they turned from their communism, which they were forced into too by the merchant adventurers, and they turned to free enterprise. In 1623, the, the real first Thanksgiving that we celebrate is, is the time in which William Bradford turned the colony away from this corporate uh, working in the fields thing, which he says has never worked since the ancients. Why do we think it'll work now? And the scriptures, why are we wiser than God? He said, well, every man is going to work or he shall not eat. And so he said, you know, you don't plant, you don't eat. Guess what? The crops went up good when everybody had to hit the fields, right? And uh, and so they were very successful, but then they had to turn to God because they ran out of rain. You run out of rain, doesn't, get, doesn't matter whether your crops are looking good. And so they trusted God that, that those, those days of fasting and prayer. And the third day, gentle rain fell brought them relief, saved their crops, and they had a great Thanksgiving feast that fall in 1623. So I think the success of the pilgrims would be manyfold, but one would be they brought their Bible. They, Unlike any people before, they had a Bible. When, when Christopher Columbus came to America, he didn't have a full Bible and understanding. It was in Latin and no one could read it. He understood some of the scripture because he could read Latin, but the vast majority of his men couldn't, and they had no women with them. And so there was no sense of the cultural mandate, no sense of what the Bible says that we are to do in culture. When the pilgrims came, they were devout students of the Bible, and they were able to take that wisdom from the scripture, and every day they would apply it. And so they weren't perfect people. They made mistakes like everybody else, but they had the rule book. They had the plan. And because they had the plan, they were able to be very, very successful. And I would say that's their major reason. The second was they had wives. And uh, and the third is they turned away from communism and turned, turned to true Christian free enterprise. Yeah, Marshall, really good. And you might have already you kind of mentioned this uh, while you were talking, but what is the major significance for the Mayflower Compact or that document that is known as the Mayflower Compact? Well, it, it, a lot of significance because what it is, it is the what I call the paper trail of freedom that started with Moses when he gave the Ten Commandments and the law. And from there, from the Mose Libre, uh, what you've got is then Christ coming in with the New Testament, giving us the full meaning of the covenant and the understanding of that grace and that goes with God's law. Then tie that together with Patrick bringing the Libra to Ireland, bringing and changing the Breon laws, the laws of the Druids to Christian laws. From that to the conversion of Scotland and England, which brought us Alfred the Great, 
Alfred the Great then writes the Ten Commandments in the front of what they call common law. Common law, it then becomes the basis of English law. Then they go to Magna Carta in 1215, another great document of freedom based upon the word of God, written by a pastor uh, named, named uh, Langdon. And the result is that that Magna Carta came down through English law to the pilgrims 400 years later as they came across the ocean. They reasoned back to the Hebrews all the way through common law and developed at the Mayflower Compact a biblically-based constitutional republic. That was the root, the seedbed of the constitutional republic that was going to spring up in America 150 years later. But it was because of what they said in that little 300-word document, in the name of God, amen. And they chose to trust God, number one, and number two, to elect representatives and to uh, live in obedience to them based upon God and his word. That is the basis of our republic. And uh, that's uh, why the Mayflower Compact is so important, because everybody else copied that. That's great information, right, Aaron? Yeah, that, that's incredible. Uh, as I sit here and ponder that, Marshall, that's, that's really awesome. And it, this, it just makes me think, again, the, the, this compact would lead the way for each of the colonies, right, Marshall? I mean, the, you know, Connecticut, for example, you know, still known as the Constitution State uh, because of the, the 1638 Constitution of, of that colony served as the model uh, for other colonies and uh, ultimately for the U.S. Constitution. So I just think, you know, again, the, the, uh, the progression of things uh, from, this, from this group of people and how God used them is just totally amazing to me. Kept growing all the way through that next 150 years so that when the signing of the Declaration happened and Sam Andrews stood up there to sign his signature as the last man to sign it, he said, today we have restored the sovereign to whom all men must be accountable. May his kingdom reign from sea to shining sea. I mean, when you're talking about an improvement in the world, you can imagine how these men felt. The whole world lived in tyranny forever, guys, forever. And now they were going to found a nation built upon God and his freedom. That is a great thing. And shame on us if we ever let go of that liberty that God gave us, because it took 5,000 years of human history to create this freedom, and that we would let it go down in our generation uh, would be a, not a good credit when we go forward in heaven. Yeah. So, Marshall, that is awesome. Each episode of Behind the Tour, we love uh, to leave our listeners with a call to action to consider. You, more than anyone, know that America's story has been carved through the personal faith and courage uh, and ingenuity of individuals who stood strong when others wouldn't. We want our listeners to take courage. You know, we've talked about uh, some foundations today of our country. Uh, and next episode, we're even going to talk more, Marshall, look forward to that with you uh, in reference to some of the sources, some of the practical things that this our forefathers monument speaks of. What would you give us today, uh, based on our conversation, uh, to provide uh, a call to action for our listeners? Well, I would, I just uh, have to say this because I just put my book to press yesterday. And uh, it's going to be coming out at the end of next week. And it's uh, it's the American Covenant, the untold story, but it's a it's a whole new book. It's uh, from the original we did it, we've done it, and we've blown it up with 25 new stories and, and all kinds of new stuff in it. Uh, but it's basically the story of America's Covenant, beginning with the Mayflower. We got Mayflower on the cover. There she is. And uh, I would recommend that, that every family get a copy of the American Covenant. Just go to worldhistoryinstitute.com and they can order it right now as a pre-order, but it'll be available in a couple of weeks. So 
order yours now because there's going to be a flood of thousands coming in as soon as I go with Kirk on the air next week. So they want to order it, order it now so you can get your copy of the American Covenant, the Untold Story. Then I'd, I'd recommend that you walk through the Pilgrim story with your children, walk through these great stories and then encourage them that if they were brave, we can be brave. If they were like that, they're just humans like us, but they trusted God and they changed their world in a much worse time than we live in. So why are we crying in our root beer? Let's get the Christians off their root beer. Let's get them on the strong stuff of uh, taking a stand in culture for life and liberty and, and uh, freedom. Yeah. Hey, hey Jay, do you want to mention uh, Marshall's upcoming trip? If you've enjoyed listening to this short bit of Marshall, um, you could spend a long time with him listening to him every day. And you can do that this fall in September. Marshall has a trip planned. Uh, with American Christian Tours. Um, It's the World History Institute Family Tour, and it's September 27th through October 4th, 2021. Um, It will go to Washington, D.C., Philadelphia, stop at New York City, and then go up to Plymouth and Boston. And Marshall, we'll put the links to that and also to your book, um, in our podcast links. So if people are interested, they can just click on those links and find them. But I would really encourage any of you to go along in that and to actually go to the spots where the pilgrims actually came, where they stepped off onto shore, where they built their settlement. And um, being there, it really changes the feeling of the story. Um, when you when you're actually standing there on site, I would definitely encourage anyone to join uh, that tour. And there's a little bit of space to fill up, so fill up now and get ready to go. That's right. Bring your Kleenex, and uh, and then we're going to rejoice. We're going to have a big conference at the end. People want to stay behind. We're going to have having speakers come throughout America later after I have the tour. But but uh, you got to come. You got to come back to the pilgrims. Remember, it's 400 years ago. We're celebrating the 400th anniversary of the pilgrims coming and uh, forget COVID we're, we're moving ahead in the future with uh, 400 years in the pilgrims and 400 more years of freedom that, that lie before us. Yeah. Amen. Amen to that. Well, this uh, Marshall, it has been such a pleasure uh, spending some time with you today. And I, I hope that our listeners um, have benefited greatly. I'm sure they have from, uh, from the information that you've given and, and what, how God has worked through you and your ministry uh, for so long now. Marshall, thank you. And I want to thank our listening audience uh, for joining us today, too. Uh, and as always, remember, your story is a part of his story and that God puts you here and now for such a time as this. And as we look to the future, uh, we at American Christian Tours believe that one person can make a difference we believe that together we can make a big difference in inspiring young people, both old and young is really important. And that we also believe that the past gives us insight into the future. So guys, thanks for listening. And we hope that you'll join us uh, for our next episode. Bye Marshall. Bye. We'll see you again.